HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila, delicious and smooth tequila, made in harmony with the earth. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. This episode is brought to you by Bento Box, a full-service marketing and commerce platform that helps restaurants get discovered, make more money, and engage their diners. Join over 8,000 restaurants already using Bento Box today to deliver better hospitality. Visit getbento.com chef today to get your first month free. That's getbento.com chef. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, a man on a never-ending search for the perfect pizza. This show is the audio version of the Pizza Talk YouTube series, where I engage in interesting conversations with some of the country's greatest pizza makers and other artisans. Thanks for joining me on this quest. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt here, and... uh, Today we're going to do something a little bit different. You know, we always talk about Pizza Quest as being mostly about pizza, but we also say, as any of you who have visited our site know, that, uh, and I call it the 11th commandment of Pizza Quest is, is that it's more about the quest than it is about the pizza. And today I'm going to explore more on the quest side with one of my oldest and best friends, Alan Kahn, who's coming to us from Portland, Oregon. Uh, And I'll do a very short recap of how Alan and I are connected, and I'm going to let Alan sort of take it from there. Um, We go back, amazingly, almost exactly 50 years to when we worked together in Boston. uh, Well, he was at, you were at MIT, I believe, at the time. I'm going to, I'm pulling a lot of stuff out of memory because, you know, 50 years, a lot's happened since then. And we became very, very good friends there. We were, he was at MIT. I had just left Boston University. And we helped start a one of the early vegetarian organic restaurants, maybe really in the country, but it, was, it certainly was one of the very first for Boston. And we had a little restaurant collective called Route One Cafe. And, and it was spelled R-O-O-T, which will give you an idea of what this thing was all about. It was, it was a cosmic adventure for us. Route One Cafe was a gathering of kindred spirits who were, for lack of a better word, seekers, people who were all looking for some meaning in life. And we found it collectively through food. And... The rest was history. Since then, you know, we did a lot of things together, and then we all kind of went off on our different individual journeys. And today, after 50 years, 
And of course, Alan and I have stayed together throughout all this time. I feel like he's my my brother from another mother. We have uh, uh, we've stayed in touch, but I want to give you a chance, Alan, to kind of help everybody uh, hear a little bit about your journey from the time from the restaurant days where we were, you know, doing the vegetarian organic uh, sprouts and all the stuff that was new and and is now becoming very hot and trendy today, 50 years later. Uh, and then what happened after I went in my direction and you kind of continued on in yours? Fill us in. Yeah, very good. Yeah, so it's actually 51 years because uh, we met right before I turned uh, 21. So it was okay. 1971. I keep and thinking that- this is 2021, because I'd lost a whole year in there with COVID. Yeah, it's great. So, you know, at at age, I don't know, uh, 16, 17 or 18, I'm the youngest of three kids, grew up in New York. And, uh, you know, when I uh, when my older sisters uh, introduced me to um, medical, uh, not medical, to to smoking weed. (laughs) There was no such thing as medical marijuana. It wasn't called medical back then. It wasn't (laughs) medical back then. Uh, It it was a drug. (laughs) Uh, And so from the moment I uh, experienced that there were other ways of looking at um, reality than the ways I had inherited and learned from my uh, surroundings and and my parents, you know, I'd been on a quest to uh, support others in having a way of experiencing and viewing the world that would leave them fulfilled, that would leave them present to more possibilities than our rational brains could uh, lead us to. And, you know, at one point, you know, it was there was that whole deal of you are what you eat. So we thought we could eat our way into enlightenment and hence the right. Route One Cafe. And then, you know, as you know, I went off and lived in a Zen monastery and then I came back and we both got involved in a mystical Christian order. And for me, that was a a clear choice because it was furthering my quest of how do I support and empower people. And I didn't see people in the U.S. becoming Zen Buddhists although a lot of them are now, uh, I thought... Christi- we were always way ahead of our time. <laughs> I thought Christianity would be a better uh, a, a better vehicle. Uh, so we, I was involved with that. You, you know, you became uh, a brother. I became a, a lay minister, was teaching Bible classes. And in 1976, while you were in uh, a, a monk, I, I took a training called the S-Training, which, you know, part of the reason I took it was several folks in the order uh, had taken it and spoke highly of it. So that was enough of a endorsement for me. And when I sat in that program in December of 76, uh, you know, uh, I said th- this approach to uh, another way of viewing life, to a transformative way of viewing life was for me. So I I eventually wound up working with that organization for 32 years, uh, rose to near the top, uh, led programs around transformational programs around the world, um, coached people, developed leaders, designed programs, managed it. And in 2014, I I left and uh, decided to look at... uh, I said, I'm starting my third chapter. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's the third act? Actually, not chapter act. What's the I third? Call it the act? same thing. My act three. Yeah. yeah, yeah what's, exactly. act, what's act three? So I'm now nine yeah. years, uh, eight years into act three. So you're and, nine years ahead of me. I'm just starting my act three now. Yeah. Well, you may, maybe you're ten. You maybe you're going to live ten years longer than me. So who knows? <laughs> so and so now I'm coaching, uh, 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 consulting designing trainings and programs and uh, continuing to fulfill that same uh, urge I had that brought me to living in a Zen monastery, which is how do we make uh, a possibility available to others? Yeah. And one of the little catchphrases we have for Pizza Quest is, is a journey of self-discovery through pizza. And, yeah. and and really self-discovery is the key you know phrase there and i think that's what brought you and i together right from the beginning and and in a sense we've one of the reasons why we stayed in touch with each other and stayed close through all these years is that we've been on this parallel journey of self-discovery but also driven to try to help other people yeah. uh find their self-discovery so yeah. can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you know aside from getting into the the weeds of you know of the 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 seminars that you put on and everything, which you can't really recreate in a little Zoom thing like that. But talk about some of the principles that have guided you and the things, sure. you, the life lessons that you've come away with. Great. You know, at a certain point, I said I want to come up with what's what are the underpinnings of what I'm offering, uh, uh, and I think I came up with six. Um, you know, so the, you know the first one is uh, no one is stuck being who they wound up being. You know, we all wind up being a particular way. There's a certain genetics, there's cultural influence, uh, uh, societal influence, our gender, there's so many, but we wind up, you know, the neuroscientists, we wind up with brain patterns. And yet the neuroscientists tell us that there's plasticity so we can create new patterns. So that's number one. So you, so let me just go, just make sure I'm clear about this. So what you're saying is, is no matter who we are and what we become at this moment, we're not stuck. We are not. The future, another way of saying it is the future is not all, I'm not a determinist. The future is not written. We get to co-write it, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I wouldn't say write it because so many folks write plans for the yeah. future and they never happen, but we get to co-write it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Okay. We're not stuck. Being. Even in Act Three, we can continue to to become more. Even with people uh, who have dementia, they still can create new brain patterns. Wow! As okay. long as our brain is, we are alive. New patterns are capable of being okay. created. Awesome! So that's a great first premise. That's number one. Number two, none of us are related to reality the way that it is. Okay, that that one's the, the little bit more abstract. I mean, none, none yeah, of us are related to reality. Did you say? Yeah, no, none of us can perceive reality. There's, uh, where we are perceiving reality. So we're perceiving it through our senses, through our right. experience, through our moods. But we're not related to reality as it is, which is why two people watch the same thing and come away with a different story. I see. So everybody's experiencing their own reality totally and cl- which we see nowadays and everybody's claiming it's and i don't even call it their own reality because i think that weakens what reality is there is a reality out there mm-hmm. 
but we have no direct access to it except through our experience and our senses. All right. So now I'm seeing, hearing a little bit of that Zen background. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. All right. Exactly. So there. That, and so, by the way, I remember the day you went into that Zen monastery. Exactly. I, I drove you there. I dropped you, you up. You, you and Shanti drove me there. Exactly. <laughs> and even just throwing out the, the name of our close and dear friend Shanti already tells everybody where we were at back in 1972 or three, wherever, whatever that year when we took you to the to the Zen Center in Rochester, New York. Exactly. Yeah. So a, another principle. So that's principle two. Uh, another principle is that a human being is not their thoughts, their views, their feelings, their body sensations, their history, their actions, their possessions, or anything else. What are they? they, they good question. <laughs> <laughs> That's my best thing. I can I get to ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, that, 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 you know, that, that, that question has been asked for thousands of years. Yes, exactly. Who, who, who am I? Yeah. Yeah. Who yeah. And, and, and even in theology, you know, there's the, there, there's a whole theology built on what reality is not. As yes. opposed to God is not this, God is not that, as opposed to trying to say what God is. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and you know, as you know, uh, great questions are much better than great answers. Yeah. So, so to live in the question, who am I? Not like, oh, I don't know who I am, but like an inquiry. Who am I? Yeah. Is a real opening. You know, um, who am I going to be today? Yeah. Who am I going to be today? So, you know, a third principle is it's possible, or fourth, I guess, it, it's possible to live our lives as our speaking. As our speaking. Speaking. So, so as, uh, as our, you know, words create. Uh-huh. I say, uh-huh. Old Testament, New Testament, either one. In the beginning was the word, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, or, or, or how did God create? God spoke. So uh -huh. we uh -huh. get to create. We get to create our future through our speaking first. Uh-huh. First. So we can articulate. We can actually create uh, create our, our, our reality and our future by actually finding what finding the right words or just saying well a few different things you know the, there's that sort of speech act that creates is called declaration mm. so there's description and then there's declaration uh-huh okay mostly what we're doing with our speaking is describing uh-huh uh-huh but then we get stuck with what we describe so when we when we say to ourselves uh, uh, oh, I'm so dumb. Mm -hmm. Are we describing or creating or are we doing both? Both, yeah, right, right. At this very same time, without being present to how much power uh -huh. our speaking has. Okay, okay. I'm, starting to, I'm getting into focus here with this now, yeah. yeah. So if you say that, a, you know, our country, this country, the United States, I, maybe there's people listening from other countries, you know, the founding document is the Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those folks, they were all men at that time, you know, unfortunately, but that's the way it was. You know, uh, we say all men are created equal. That's a declaration. Uh -huh. There was no evidence of that. Right. <laughs> Even after they said it, though, so they are declaring they are creating a future 
which then we either live consistent with or not. Yeah. They declared a future that totally changed the world, but, totally. but we're still spending 200 years later, we're still trying to catch up to that declaration. And, and, and that's what's powerful about a declaration if you're committed to walking your talk. Mm -hmm. Okay. Most people, as you and I know, just talk their talk. Yeah, yeah. And then everybody sees the discrepancies between their actions and their words. And we get scared. Right. You know, our brains are wired to detect inauthenticity. So when we're in the presence of someone who's bullshitting, sorry, maybe that should be bleeped out, but or someone, uh, our brains sense whether people are authentic or not because yeah. they're wired to help us survive. So we sense, and as someone who did a fair share of just talk <laughs> that I wasn't uh, embodying or walking, uh -huh. uh, you know, I, I know we're capable of both. So it sounds like uh, if I can just uh, connect the dot here, then that this this idea of authenticity is a is a very important concept right there. Completely Im impossible to live an invented life, a created life, a created future without having authenticity. Impossible. Mm. So our words create. Our words can create mm -hmm. a future, and then it's up to us. You know, the two, two words are authenticity and integrity. Will we honor ourselves as our word? So a lot of what I do with individuals now and companies and teams and couples is I have them create a future. You could call it a mission or, uh, you know, so or a purpose or an intention or for an individual a calling. So my mission, my calling, my yeah. purpose is all hearts are full, all beings are enlightened. And that's, so in other words, you're declaring that is your mission. I'm declaring that that's who I am. That's who you are. Uh -huh. I am who I say I am. Uh -huh. so that's who I am. Then it's up to me at every moment to hold myself accountable for am I acting true to my mission to my purpose and if i'm not and i'm not always yeah i correct <laughs> i i correct yeah hopefully i get aware of it quicker and quicker and quicker and intervene and correct clean up the mess that i made and get back on the quest that i'm on which is to stay true to my purpose 24 7 even in my dreams and is that why people come to you as a coach to help them stay on course, well, on mission? For many, it's to first create a mission or a purpose because most people, uh, this is going to sound terrible, and it is, the only reason they wake up in the morning is because they didn't die in their sleep. Yeah. They don't wake up with a purpose or they work, wake up with things to do, uh -huh. not with something or something or some way to be. Mm -hmm. You and I are called human beings. Yeah. And yet we've never taken courses, well, you have probably, in being, we've taken courses in doing, uh, not being. We, I think the more accurate name for us is we're human doings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so part of your work is to help people get back in touch with the being part. The being. What is, what is, the, what is the being of human being? And, or, or what, you know, what's the soul of their company that they're going to stay true to? 
Yeah. So you actually will, will work with with groups and companies and businesses as well as individuals. Large yeah, companies, help them find that. Large companies, medium-sized companies, mm -hmm. leaders in yeah, or right now, you know, I'm in the same stage of my life that you are age-wise, Peter, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, and my wife, who I've been married to Catherine for 42 years, uh, 43 years, she's retired. So I decided to work a little less, even though it doesn't seem like work what I'm doing. So we have more time that we can spend together. But awesome. so I'm very selective about who I work with. And um, uh, but it's folks who are up to something or folks where I just sense this this would be a, a, I can fulfill my purpose by being their coach. Well, I know that you spent many years, you know, training and and developing, you know, the methodologies and everything else that you are sharing with with your clients and your life with others yeah. uh, through the the many years that you spent in the training, starting with the with Werner Erhard and yep. moving on to Landmark and and all those uh, the seminars that you actually led for others. Yeah. Now yep. you're now you're out there individually. Uh, in a sense, you and then, of course, we all had a life before that. I went through a parallel thing, learning what I learned, you know, by being in seminary and being a brother and, and yes. eventually going back out into the world. And and now we both live independently in the world, yes. trying to tie together and connect all the things that we've learned. So what are, is what you're doing? And we'll, we'll just uh, sort of end the segment when we talk about this and then come back, because I want to hear more about about your life with Catherine yes. and, and, you know, uh, just continue to explore this. But what uh, what differentiates how you work now and say some new things that you've added into your repertoire that you were able to kind of extract from your many years of training as a seminar leader? That's great. Um, so what's new is this living true to your purpose. Uh, what's new is the, the work of, of how the brain works and what does it take? to live true to a purpose. So, you know, when I was involved with the that group that you mentioned, Est and Landmark, we pretty reliable could have people have an experience of something bigger. Yeah. Pretty reliable, not 100%, but pretty reliable. No, you had a track record, a powerful track record yeah. of people leaving there going, something happened. I don't something, know what, what something it was. Happened. Something. Yeah, yeah. Where I think we failed there, and I don't mind saying it, is giving people the tools to live true to it. So it we kept having them want to come back for more, for another experience, another experience, another experience, rather than giving them the tools uh, to live it. And, and in my view, uh, uh, and the view of neuroscientists, yeah. <laughs> which it's shaped by it, three things to, to create sustainable change. Mm -hmm. Just three. One is a desire to, a wanting to, an intention to, something like that. And you and I know that just having intention is not enough, which is why the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. But certainly there have been, uh, uh, what would you call them, transformation speakers who have built their entire career on the intention side. Just intention. Yeah. 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 The second is rituals, practices, actions. Uh -huh. This is where that, you know, authenticity. What are the rituals, practices? Because every time you repeat an action, that neural pathway is getting strengthened. Mm -hmm. I see. 
And then the third, which is why you joined uh, in order and uh, and why I joined a different group, is yeah. you need an environment mm-hmm. that supports you mm-hmm. taking those actions. And it could be made up of other people. It could be made up, you know, I have a meditation cushion in my office and in my bedroom uh-huh. that's in my environment to support yeah. me in, in doing that. And maybe that's a good place to stop for right now. I see, yeah. So so again, just to wrap this up, I'm thinking, okay, so one is you have to you have to desire, you have to have to want to have that. And and you and you know from experience that you can bring people to a place of what I'll call awakening. To that reality, to that I want to be different. That I want to be in this new reality. Two is you need practice. With, with practice, the, ritual, action. All all three are saying the same thing. Way to create a patterns and 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 establish the new grooves in your in your being. To uh, uh, otherwise, you are just a legend in your own mind. <laughs> which is a lot where a lot of people live. And and then the third part is. Uh, I, I like this part because it kind of ties into what Pizza Quest has been all about is is that we that we recognize that there is this tribe of kindred spirits. We yeah. like sometimes call them the pizza freaks or the yeah. fire freaks or the breadheads. You know, uh, we have we, we have many different tribes that we all kind of share our lives with, but that there's something that that is in common that we that helps to support each of us on our individual journeys. Yeah. But, and by the way, you are a legend, Peter. You know, I was in Toronto just up until last night uh, in Canada working with a client and he brought in his young uh, 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 one of his assistants who's getting his MBA. Uh, and w- we were talking about all sorts of things. And uh, all of a sudden we're talking ab- about the restaurant and I mentioned your name. He said, you know Peter Reinhardt? <laughs> oh, no. he, he wrote the book. He, he's wrote the Bible on making bread. Yeah. This guy's 26, 26, 28 years old. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew back then when you and I were cooking uh, uh, sauteed vegetables and brown rice and, and, and we didn't even make our own bread. We made banana bread together, but we never made our bread. We bought our bread from these hippies. corners of the mouth, corners yeah, of the yeah, mouth, corners of the mouth bakery, and that. But we were. It was all going into us, and 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 what stuck with me took me down this direction. And but who knew that bread would be sort of a? Uh, I wouldn't say it. It defines me. I'd say, but based on what you were saying earlier, it's part of you know who who I have become. It, it's an it's an opportunity. It's a pathway to really contribute what you what you're here to contribute to others which is more than bread. Yes, and that's what I want to talk about in part two when we when we return is, is uh, because there's a saying that says all, I write a lot about food, but there's a saying that says all writing about food is always about something else. And I want to talk about what that something else is. Beautiful. Back here in pizza. So we'll be back in part two with Alan Khan. Uh, I'll call him my transformation brother uh, and and mentor. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the other, uh, something else you taught me or you turned me towards years ago, uh, the works of uh, Bandler and Grinder, who, who were, sure. were they neuroscientists or something? They, who, 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 this well, they were not neuroscientists. They started something called neurolinguistic programs. Neurolinguistics, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about all that in part two when we come back with yeah. Alan Kahn on Pizza Quest. Great. We'll be right back with more Pizza Quest right after this break. I'm Chava Perivan, co-host of Agave Road Trip on HRN here to talk about 818 Tequila. 
818 creates their tequila using traditional methods that a family-owned and operate distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. From the blue agave they grow to their recycled glass bottle, 818 emphasizes the Earth's importance in all they do. Their distillery runs on biomass and solar power, which means they don't rely as much on fossil fuels and are able to reduce their carbon footprint. Their labels, corks, and boxes are all certified by the Forest Stewardship Council as coming from sustainability-managed forests. 818 is a proud member of 1% for the Planet, through which they support HRN as well as Sacred, my organization in Jalisco, where together we transform agave byproducts and water waste into adobe bricks that are donated to local infrastructure projects, like a local library in Zapotitlan de Vadillo. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their sustainability efforts and find 818 near you. 818 has been part of so many magical nights for me, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. In the heart of Williamsburg, Brooklyn, Lilia combines wood-fired seafood, handcrafted pasta, classic Italian cocktails, and warm hospitality. Since 2016, it's been celebrated as a neighborhood gathering place, bringing the best of Italy to New York City. Lilia is one of over 8,000 restaurants that leverage bento box to power their digital front door, including their website, gift cards, event management, and more. BentoBox is a marketing and commerce platform built specifically for the hospitality industry. With BentoBox, get discovered, make more money, and engage your diners so you can deliver great hospitality both in person and online. Visit getbento.com chef today to learn more and get your first month free. That's getbento.com chef. Welcome back to part two of Pizza Quest today and Pizza Talk with uh, Alan Kahn, joining us from Portland, Oregon. Uh, Alan, we were talking about your work in, in helping people discover who they are and how to live their, their full life. But you mentioned, I think you said there were six, was it six principles, guiding principles that define sort of your methodology or your approach? Yeah, yeah, six. And, and you know, it, it's interesting that you say discover, Peter, because, you know, I, I'm not sure what the uh, right verb is for what I'm actually doing. And I tell yeah. people that. I, I don't know if they're discovering something that's already there because we're born with this inner sense of who we are. Uh-huh. Or if it's, we're born tabla rosa, it's a blank canvas and they're creating who they are. I, I don't know which is the accurate verb, but I do know landing on it and yeah. then staying true to it is the key to living a fulfilling life because then your life is being organized by an intention, you know, like a direction uh, that you can keep going on forever rather than the circumstances that we find ourselves in that we have no control over. You know, the the way I like to define it is it's like a company or a couple or an individual, you're going east. And you could go east forever. Uh-huh. You're going east 
And then at any moment you can look, am I going east or did I, am I going northeast or southeast or am I standing still? Uh-huh. And then you can true yourself up. So my mission in life, it, what my, not my, my mission is to live true to my purpose, but my uh, vocation in life yeah. is helping people identify or organizations, their direction, and then helping them have the tools to live true to it. Yeah. So uh, just to recap, the what were those six guiding principles that you would yeah. mention? They, you know, they, they vary on the day. So okay, uh, right. yeah. So uh, when and with I, my memory, it always varies anyway. So, so when I originally created it, I I, I like the idea of four pillars. Oh, so four I pillars, yeah. the four pillars. A human being is not their thoughts, their views, their feelings, their mm-hmm. body sensations, their history, their actions, their acquisitions, or anything else. They're not a thing. Ah. Human beings do not have direct access to reality. It's always filtered through our perceptions. Uh-huh. Okay. One I didn't say earlier, but it's fundamental. Our brains are always adding a narrative to everything that's going on, whether we're present or not. Often based on past experiences. Always, always based on past. Okay. Stuff. So we're always kind of playing catch up. We're never living in the moment then. Never. Never. Okay. All right. And, and the fourth one, it's possible to live your life as your word. Right. And that's a, that's a very powerful concept. Yeah. So those are the four principles. Then uh, some, uh, what do you call things? Uh, uh, ancillary uh, uh-huh. principles are no one. Given that, you can make some conclusions. No one is stuck being who they wound up being. Mm-hmm. That's no right. Yeah, we talked about that. Who yeah. they wound up being. Yeah. So it's, it's always possible to re not just reinvent and recreate who we are but to become who we are most authentic selves yeah yeah you could say you and i are on a path of becoming on a path of becoming well that's pretty powerful very uh meta- metaphysical as well as yeah. you know, i don't i don't even want to say metaphorical it's metaphysical yeah uh, and so how so so i could see i know from my own experiences and, and from and knowing the kind of work that you've done in seminars and stuff that you can bring per- people to that, that moment of aha and, right. and a, I call awakening to the fact that it's, it's not what I thought, <laughs> not what I thought it was. I'm not who I thought I was, but then how do you, how do you keep people then once they've had that awakening, how do you help them strengthen the muscles and the, the, the life patterns to actually experience it more and more in the moment? So it's so great. Everything you said is brilliant. You know, as you know, you and I could have started a business together years ago. <laughs> Sometimes I wish we had. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we're still this. There's time, uh, 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 and it would have been great yeah. and fun. <laughs> yeah, it would be. It would have been fun. We. <laughs> well, you and I could get lost in how much fun we had back then, and how exactly. we were having that fun. Exactly. I, I, I'm vividly remembering some of the fun times right now. That's another. That's another podcast. Okay, so uh, um, then we talked about three principles, right? Uh, uh, of cha- of fundamentals of change. One, having that intention. You know, so some people have the aha experience. And, and I'm not putting anybody down, but my observation that, and then what do they go for? Let's create another aha experience. Yeah, yeah. 
then let's create another one. They get addicted to the ahas. To the ahas rather than to the living of the ah. Uh, okay. That's, I think, really important. Yeah. Yeah. So the so if to live those ahas, you need the intention, the desire, the, it, the wanting to live it. Mm-hmm. You need to then come up with practices, rituals. You know, you had rituals in your community yeah. to keep you connected to what you were committed to staying connected to. Right. Well, you know, I'm remembering I, I was leading a transformational program in Israel. And on the day off before we had the completion session, I went with a dear friend to Egypt and we went to the Sinai Desert. Uh-huh. And we're driving back just for one day. We flew yeah. there to a lot, you know, negotiated with some Bedouin taxi drivers, which means they had old jalopies, spent yeah. the day along the, 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 the Red Sea, then negotiated yeah. with a, a driver to take us back to Israel to fly back to Tel Aviv. On the way back, this beautiful, could have come out of a movie, the sun is setting on one side, golden desert, the water's on the other side, narrow road, this guy's speeding, <laughs> stops, stops the car, takes out his prayer mat, and starts praying by the side of the car while we're sitting in the back seat. Ah. Okay, pretty cool. Comes back in, and I said to my friend, I said, ask him, what was that like for him? And she asked him in Arabic and he says, oh, it was so important that I did that. Mm. He said, ever since you two got in the car, I'm thinking I didn't charge you enough money. (laughs) I'm going to have to drive back empty because no one's going to want to come back. I'm going to miss having dinner with my wife and my and my kids. This was a mistake. He said, the moment I prayed, I realized I was doing the will of Allah. Wow. Wow. And I said to myself, whoa, so those pr- those praying five times a day is the practice, the ritual to stay connected mm-hmm. to that which is bigger than oneself. Yes, yes. And you and I used to talk about, I think we talked about this, when ch- church bells, people think they went off to tell you the time. No, they went off to remind you to connect to something bigger than yourself. Yes, exactly. And that's because that's been my theme, you know, for all in all my books underneath the plot of bread and pizza and everything else is that that it's all about connectedness. I always say that the theme of my books is connectedness, which you just described perfectly. And and I, I think I've we talked about this too. I've shared this that somewhere along the line I learned that the word religion, which we always kind of put out there as uh, some kind of a driving force, is that actually uh, literally means to be connected to. Religio means to be connected to. And once I heard that, uh, the bells went off. The yeah, bells yeah. went off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, some of the coaching I do is with nonprofits and two of the nonprofits that I coach, one is called Love is My Religion. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, beautiful. And they're all about helping folks with uh, every month, they gather people who have divergent views mm-hmm. and train them in how to listen to each other. Mm, wow! Not get anything resolved. Yeah, yeah. Just li- not convince anybody. Yeah. Just hear each other, accept wow. each other, and the other is called love is greater than hate, which is about ending violence, uh, specifically violence against women. 
And are yeah. these uh, organizations or movements that are happening in, in this country, around the world? Yeah, one, one's headquartered in Wisconsin, which was started by a man named Buck Blodgett after his 19, oh, it makes me cry, 19-year-old daughter was murdered in her oh. bed in their home. Oh, my God. And at the sentencing of the friend who killed her, oh. he forgave the guy Wow! in, in the courtroom said, I don't, I, I hate what you did, but I forgive you. And uh, the whole town of around that started a movement uh, and it's now a nonprofit. And I've been coaching them for the last five years called Love is My Religion. Wow. Has workshops that he delivers in prisons and in other places. He's a chiropractor. That's all about love is his, sorry, yeah. <laughs> love is greater than hate. The other group is in Seattle, Love is My Religion. I confuse them. Sorry, you guys, if you're listening. Uh, lo lo love is My Religion is uh, uh, a wonderful man. Uh, uh, and some colleagues, they were just sick and tired of religion being a divisive force rather than a uh, coming together force. So they started a group called Love is My Religion. Yeah. Well, it sounds like they both have emerged from a common insight into reality, into the reality of being, you got which it. is the, this power, the power of love and, and how it connects you to something greater than yourself. And now, and now, like you were talking about the end of the last session, and now what they want to do is give it away. Aha. Uh -huh. That's sweet. That's they want nice. to give it away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's- Is that, like, is that, is that a- is that a, a kind of a universal truth that when when people find something powerful like this, that that it's a, that it's a natural urge then to want to give it away as opposed to what to own it or capitalize on it or this? Yeah, I I don't know whether it's natural or whatever, but it seems uh, um, key. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, if you're going to have a great, fulfilling life, if you're going to have one you have to see yourself as part of a whole rather than see yourself as an individual. You're, you're part of a fabric, you're part of a whole, you're part of a community, and you wanna discover what's your unique contribution to the whole. Yeah. And I say you're either at any moment, you're either contributing or consuming. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the seems you and I know and people listening know, you know, what is it? What's the saying? It's better to give than receive. Why yeah. the heck? You feel so good when you've given somebody something that they really love. <laughs> right. And yeah. I think some hippie writer way back when, I'm not sure who was a poet, somebody said something like, uh, uh, and this goes back to, uh, you know, the 1970s or so, I read something that was, uh, you're either, um, you're either contributing or you're, uh, or you're sucking all the air out of the room. <laughs> yes, exactly. Same, same principle. Or, or I think the other term they use was you're an you could be an energy giver or an energy ripoff. Yeah. So, <laughs> it, so this living a life of contribution. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, again, which is when you create your purpose, your mission. When I work with people, it's always about the impact you're going to have on others. Uh -huh. It's never about what you're going to do. What's the impact you want? to leave behind uh, in every interaction. So mine is that people's hearts are full and they have this connection to something called enlightenment. Yeah. In a sense, you're defining your legacy. Your legacy is that people's hearts will be filled. And what was the second part? Uh, uh, all, all hearts are full, all beings are enlightened. All beings are enlightened, yeah. Well. You mentioned something earlier in part one about, you know, the practice. We talked about, you know, the the kind of the awakening and then uh, the 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 practices that you do in the community around you. You you told me if the if 
one of the within the last few months when we talked that you engage in a practice with your wife, Catherine, which I, has intrigued me ever since. And I wanted to talk about it more with you is I understand you every day you two start together by doing a crossword puzzle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about that as a, you know, and why and why you do it and what what yeah. has come of that. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, an insight. We, we now we can jump to relationships. You know, uh, relationships are usually the most exciting when. In the At beginning. the beginning. Yeah. Why? Because you don't know them. And you're in that journey of questing, of discovery, yeah, and you're on yeah. your best behavior because you want them to stick around. And then the the biggest, you know, uh, 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 enemy of the great relationship is you figured your partner out. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So now they're a thing with properties, you know, and don't talk to them about this on Tuesdays and do this if you want that. And it's all transactional. Uh-huh. So you got to have practices that keep life keep your partner you on this discovery of who they are uh-huh. rather than there's this thing. So, you know, we do this creative process together. We both like crossword puzzles. So we do it together. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and uh, we have espresso in bed together. And uh, <laughs> on most days, then we do a mindfulness practice together. We meditate for 20 uh-huh. minutes together. Oh, nice. So we start our days that way. And then we go and, and do our, separate things and then we have yeah, other practices you've had this this time together to not only to bond but to discover each other again and anew and yeah i i made a promise which i don't keep but it's <laughs> it's an aspirational promise to to never know who she is uh-huh, uh-huh. so every day i have to discover her so you're always having to uh, in a sense bust yourself from falling back into Otherwise, I'm going to relate to her like a thing. Uh-huh. Well, that, well, that sounds like a great challenge in practice. And it's, it's so, so who's the better crossword puzzle doer? We make a great team. Yeah. And, and you, you find, and again, I'm asking this because I have, I'm not good at crossword puzzles. I love, I love to do them, but I always find myself looking, you know, at the answer page to fill in the blanks. When uh, I get stuck. We, 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 uh, what I'm better in this sense. I, I persevere. So she'll get to a place where she'll want to give up yeah. and look. And I'll say, no, we're not going to. And uh, so that's the thing I bring to it is what we ain't going to look. We're going to persevere. You're going to actually yeah. get through it. I, uh, I've i recently become, like a lot of other people, uh, addicted to Wordle. And it's become my my daily little mental exercise. But I, every time I do it, I think, yeah, but Alan and Catherine are doing these complex well, but, crossword puzzles no, no, no now let's get to the real heart of uh, the spiritual path wordle so you know and what <laughs> so again community peter so i'm in three different text streams uh-huh. where at the end of the wordle you can share your score oh so we, i do that with Catherine, uh my daughter rose her husband jonathan and our two granddaughters so with us five people and as soon as we're done we share the the score then we do it with catherine's sis two of catherine's sisters a brother-in-law and five six of us and then there's a guy who breaks amazing bread robert sampson amazing bread uh-huh. and we share our scores every day so there's something about community yeah you know that you know so it's not just a mental exercise, but it also community building. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. Interesting. And I haven't, I haven't made that leap yet. Cause I, 
Um, well, I, I've gotten everyone except one time I got, I figured it out, you know, get there sooner or later. But I know some people do it, they're on the clock, they want to do it in a certain amount of time. Et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't do any of that, but I'm like you, I'm a hundred, I've, I've done it. Uh, let, let's look and see. I did it. Did you do I, it today? <laughs> I did it today. I did And today I got there on the fourth, you know, I found sometimes if you get all the first letters that you start with are wrong, it's sometimes more helpful. Then exactly. if you get like one or two that are, you know, yeah. in the middle. Yeah. So I, I I got it on number five today, but I, I've been doing it for what what uh, 91 times, 91 times so far. Yeah. <laughs> I, my, I, I had to reload. So I have lost track of how many I, I says I've only done it 13 times, but I know I've done it about yeah. at least 90 times too. Yeah. But, 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 but I'm like you, hundred uh, percent. But then so that no one gets left out when, when for the group. If you don't make it in the six, we say, oh, great, you're in the asterisk club. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well, I, I like when you get to the like the, your last shot, number six, and if you get it on the sixth one, then a little thing comes up that says, woo, you know, like, yeah. You, yeah. You so maybe, it, you, maybe the next book is Wordle as a Metaphor for Life. There you go. Okay. <laughs> and that's exactly, because everything is a metaphor. But what, what I like about Wordle, being someone who's, maybe has too short of an attention span for the really complex crossword puzzles, which, which typically how many, how many, how long do you guys spend on a, on a, on a good puzzle? You know, each day gets harder. So Monday we like to do it in under 10 minutes. Are these all New York times crosswords? New York times. Yes. Uh, yes so Saturday, Saturday. Most people think Sunday is the hardest, but it isn't. It's the biggest. Uh, Saturday is the hardest because it has the most uh, white spaces, like oh. long words. Long yeah. Hours. Yeah. So Saturday, if we can get it in under 30 minutes, we're, we're happy. Wow, 30 minutes is amazing to me. And, and then Sunday, we like to do an under 45 just because of its size. Yeah, But still, that's uh, that's amazing in itself that you can get it. And then. you get better because the thing about Crossword Puzzles, Peter, is that once you know certain answers, they get repeated quite often. Well, that's, I guess, one of the things that you 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 have a frame of reference now that I don't have. Uh, and I keep thinking, I'll get there one day if I keep if I do it. But I haven't. I haven't become persistent enough yeah. in, in doing them. I, I'll do them, you know, sporadically. But that was one of the things I was going to ask you is, you know, what is the trick to getting good at crossword? There's got to be, there's got to be some other little tricks that you it's have. It's just persistence and, uh, you know, know, knowing how your brain works. It's the same with Wordle. There's times where I just have to put it down. Yeah. And then come back to it. Yeah. I found that too. That if I get stuck like at level for the third try, and if I come back an hour later, I, I'm looking like All a new puzzle. You see something you yeah, didn't yeah. see. You didn't see. So how would you explain that from the standpoint of all your, your work with neurolinguistics yeah. and everything? What's, what's going on you're, there? You're changing your focus. So in, in, in my view, when you're focused on an outcome, you can be obsessed and your focus becomes narrower. Uh-huh. When you can be with it, and uh-huh. breathe into it, you know, get on your mat. <laughs> if, your mat if, if that's your ritual, take some deep breaths, take some centering, you open up and you're accessing different parts of your brain. Well, that's funny that you said that because uh, it makes sense. But also it, it, it triggered a memory of the very first day that you and I met in uh, Boston at Route 1 when we were building it. It still was being built. Yes, and I showed up uh, not knowing anybody there and I had just received in the mail a package from a, 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 a quote spiritual guru figure named Ramdas, who many people, of course, we all know. May, maybe this generation doesn't know, but I just gotten his his first book, 
be here now. Be here now. Yeah. And, 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 and then, and you also said, and to be with, and I know that, uh, you know, they're one of the, the gatherings that, uh, that, uh, you know, one of the communities that you were part of later on when we reconnected was you would call those gatherings a be with. A be with. Yeah. But also one of my initial things in, in, uh, night, 1966, I think, was a, a B in in Central Park. That's right. That's that right. Did. That's that's how the whole summer of love started right, with B ins. Well, yeah. it's funny because you know, again, I said earlier we were way ahead of our time. These ideas have been around, and of course, they existed before the 60s and the 70s. But the, they're coming back. Right? Do, do you sense that right now we're in kind of a new cycle oh, of m- mindfulness? Is the rage? Yeah, being, being present, being mindful is the rage. Having a purpose is the rage. Yeah, you know, having an having having values that you live true to. Uh-huh. You know, being uh, you know, there's so many folks who focused on wealth and then discovered that ac- acquiring didn't equal being fulfilled. Uh huh. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. yeah. You know, so there's, you know, techies going off for retreats where they're not allowed to get on their devices. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just well, to be present, just to be present. Again. And that, that idea of be, be here now, being present, I mean, however you phrase it, yeah. there's so much. In fact, you know, I would love to do another, another uh, you know, podcast with you uh, and keep exploring these. I mean, maybe periodically get back and, and have sessions with, with the mentor here, you know, my dad. I, I would love to play. I love playing with you, Peter, in any opportunity I get. Any when we get when we get some of our pizza geniuses together on a, there's a few that we have regularly. We call them yeah. the pizza yodis. Yes, and we refer them to the. I said, maybe you could be my my uh, uh, be here now yodi. I'd love, <laughs> love to meet your 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 your, your pizza peers. <laughs> All right. Well, this is you know this has been really fabulous, and of course right. always. Wonderful connecting and 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 reliving things, but also you know talking about what can be. And yeah. so, congratulations on all the work that you're continuing to do. We'll Thank talk you. some more. I will hopefully see you when I get back out to Portland, or or right. one way or another, our paths will always cross. You know, I I have a cut some couple a couple another couple who's started a nonprofit called uh, the World Bridge Foundation. And they uh, live in, they just moved to Asheville. Oh, real how, how far are you from Asheville? Uh, two hour drive. Okay, good. And I go out there at least once a year. So yeah, we should connect me with them. And then do you ever come out to speak with, the, work with them in person? It's all been on Zoom so far. So, yeah. world, the Zoom has changed the world, hasn't it? Totally. And, and saved a lot on travel. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you also, and, and I'll end on this note, uh, you, you, I know you did a lot of work in Israel. You were working yeah. trying to build bridges, you know, right. in Israel for peace and right. and and harmony. And one of our friends from Route One Days, yes, uh, who, I, who I've also recently reconnected with, and you have as well. Yeah. And, you know, as we all went off in our different directions, he started out. He was one of the people that helped me find my Christian path. But then later, he returned to his Jewish path and and moved to Israel and became a rabbi. You know, and yeah, and yeah. His, his name is now it was Steve then he's Shmaria now. Well, he, we're going to have him on. We're going to do a, a, a podcast with Shmaria, and we'll catch up. And then and then we're also we're talking about getting you and me and a few of the early Route One folks together for our own private little That's Zoom. Great. Yeah. Perfect. All right. All thank right. You, um, thanks so much. We'll see you again, and thank all of you for joining us for this unique, you know, Quest version of Pizza Quest. Oh, I got to ask you before I leave, since it's Pizza Quest. Where do you go for pizza in Portland? What do you have a couple favorite go-tos? Uh, 
I have, I have lots of one of them you introduced me to a pizza shoals is a pizza shoals yeah and that's one of our yodis brian is one of our yodis on the on the and, regular and, basis and, and ken's is phenomenal ken's uh, yeah and, well, and, i understand and, ken has retired now and, and just for a slice that you know there's escape from new york pizza on on northwest 23rd avenue and then there's another one that just opened three blocks from my house uh pizza thief I haven't. Well, when I come to Portland, we'll have to check out some of these places I haven't been to. I want to meet. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll 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 converge on a on a pizza quest while we continue to talk about the quest. Exactly. That's great. Thanks so much, Alan. Love you. See you soon. Love you too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.